welcome to Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel, and my co-host for this mini-episode today is Tristan. Hey, everyone. So in these mini-episodes, we've been going through each category of the grid and picking it apart and going through each of the five subcategories, giving good examples of, uh, maybe not good examples, giving examples of what would get high scores in each of the subcategories, and then one bad example for the uh, overall average of the five. So uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking about cinematography camera work, and be sure to keep an eye out in the coming weeks for more mini-episodes, uh, in addition to one for each sub- or each category of the grid, rather. Uh, we will also be doing a mini-episode for uh, the summing up phases one and two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, leading into the season premiere for season two of Nitty Gritty Reviews, which is going to be Marvel Monday's review of uh, Captain America Civil War, with, uh, of course, Tristan, my standard uh, co-host for Marvel Monday, and uh, M and Brian will also be joining us for that one, so I'm pretty excited. It's going to be a good one. Um, so with, uh, with all of that, uh, housekeeping out of the way, is there anything you want to say, kind of generally speaking, before we jump into uh, talking about cinematography camera work? I may change my mind a few times, and I may change my mind a few times after this is recorded. <laughs> and I may... yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. On that note, I guess we'll uh, start diving in. So uh, similar to what we did uh, last episode for the cinematography lighting category, we're going to start with the fifth subcategory and work our way up since the first subcategory is overall camera work, which is defined by how well do these categories work together. Uh, So it's easier to start from the bottom and work our way up. So that said, the first one we're going to be talking about is storytelling. And what I mean by that is, does the camera work in general help to tell the story? So what example did you come up with for storytelling? So for storytelling, I chose Requiem for a Dream. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, Which is kind of an interesting choice because I didn't really like this movie for the first two thirds of it. But then having seen the whole thing, it wraps it all up and it all fits together so perfectly. I don't think anybody really likes that movie. That's a good way of wording it, yes. But it's still a masterpiece and worth watching. Yeah. And the camera work plays a big part. Another really solid choice. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of it is, uh, you know, it's this young couple who, like, they're the cool, hip young couple and they do drugs and all kinds of fun party stuff and whatnot and... And every time they that's do drugs... That's how you see those characters? Well, that's how it starts out, right? It's fun. Yes. They're young, they're attractive, they're having fun, right? And you, you get, like, these, like, quick cuts and, like, close-ups of their eyes, di- their pupils dilating, and, like, just, just a lot of uh, close-ups and a lot of, like, very quick, enthusiastic, high-energy cuts and camera work. Um, and then, like, as the movie goes on... Like, it gets a little bit more and more disturbing and a little bit more and more weird. And it does a really, really good job of, like, uh, uh, amping up the energy. And a lot of that is uh, the camera work and, and how many cuts there are and whatnot. And how many close-ups there are. And then uh, I, I think it's the the young man, his mom, starts yeah. taking diet pills because she's going to be on this uh, game show or whatever. 
and shit just goes crazy like two thirds of the way through the movie, and yeah, it has the last that. Last act of that movie is cuckoo bananas. Oh man, it's it's one of the craziest movies. It's I have a hard time watching this movie. Eddie Joe, I've only seen it once, and yeah, I've seen it twice, and the second time was with you. Yeah. 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 It's weird you saw that movie before me. Yeah. But it was after Black Swan. I was like, I've got to see more of this director. And you're like, oh, here's this one. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, why don't I just watch? I yeah. loved it, but. It is. Oh my God. It is so like draining and so mm-hmm. over the top. And a lot of that is the camera work and the storytelling. And, and there's the scene where the mom's like starts taking all the diet pills and she like goes off the deep end and they have that. I don't know what, I forgot what that technique is called, where there's like a camera. Story cam. Yeah, it's like taped to their chest facing yeah. them. And like, oh man, that is so like, oh, that's just crazy. I, yeah. I, oh man, just thinking about it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, that, the storytelling, so much of that is camera work. And it is spot on disturbing did you know the original cut of that movie was even more disturbing and they had to cut it so it didn't get an X rating? The movie was even more fucked up in the I, first cut. Something to think about. I, I don't want to think about that. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. What did you choose for storytelling? <laughs> so I went with a, a little bit more of a conventional route. I picked... I'm debating because there's two for the same exact reason that I could give. I picked Cloverfield. Um, the, the classic, I guess, classic found footage. Okay, um, well, uh, well, I have two choices for another one, a first place and a runner-up, so you can go ahead and mention both of them, I guess. Well, good. I'm glad you gave me permission, because yeah. yeah, I was going to anyway. I was about anyway. to say, <laughs> I, Tristan, give you permission on your <laughs> podcast to do whatever you want. <laughs> but no, I, I originally said Cloverfield, because it's the one that I prefer, but really, probably I should have gone with Blair Witch Project because it was the one that okay. that essentially created, for better or worse, mostly worse, but still, <laughs> the genre of found footage, which is an entire genre, kind of like how film noir is an entire genre based largely on the lighting. Found footage is an entire genre based completely on, on the camera work. Right. Um, okay. So regardless of your opinions on whether or not that it's a good genre or whether or not those two movies are good examples of the genre, I think that's irrelevant. Quality doesn't so much matter. You can't argue that the, the camera work helps tell the story. The camera is a character yeah, in that... any found footage movie. Um, yeah. So regardless of your opinions, I think that's, in my mind, is a really good example of storytelling uh, when it comes to camera work. Yeah, that's that's an excellent choice. I haven't seen either of those movies. I've seen clips and spoofs. You haven't seen Cloverfield? Nah. I've seen the poster that you have, wherever. Where I is haven't, it? I haven't had it for a long time. Yeah. I had that when I lived alone. Oh. Well, I know what you're talking about in that genre. Yeah, that makes sense. Storytelling. I'm, I'm a staunch defender of Cloverfield. I think it's actually a really, really good script, and I think it's really well-directed. I stand by it. Blair Witch Project, I've only seen like once and it was when it was fairly new. And that is one that has an anniversary coming up in 2019. So my sister and I, and maybe Em, I don't remember who all is slated for that one, but it's definitely going to get a, a season two episode. So I'm excited to go into it and see what I think of it now, knowing that I love Cloverfield so much and didn't really like Blair Witch that much. I'm curious to see how that goes. 
Uh, but anyway, that was a digression. So, uh, so that was my example for storytelling. Uh, that's going to bring us to the next subcategory, which is going to be camera angles. Um, and I think with this one, I myself always forget. Like, I think of camera angles as, like, Dutch angles. And, right. you know, like, what about the easiest example? Or, like, extreme low angles, extreme high angle, mm-hmm. like, bird, bird, like, aerial views. Right. Things like that. Um, but another thing to consider is, uh, like, the point of view of the camera. Like, I think that plays a big part into camera angles as well, which I'm only just in the last couple of reviews that we've done. I'm like, okay, I need... I think Hurt was a big one that made me be like, I need to consider this more when I'm talking about this category because it does play... Like, yep. it's not just the uh, the angle. I mean, it's called camera angles, but it's not just the the degrees. Uh, you know, is right. it is the, it tilted at all? I think is what it's called in... Well, aeronautic terms know. yeah <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah you know it's not just that it's also um it's just however the camera is positioned whatever it's pointed at and however it's pointed at it whether it be at an angle or whether it be an extreme close-up would be part of uh, that's right. also obviously composition too which we'll get into soon but the point of view yeah uh so i'm holding up my printout of this uh homework i mean uh <laughs> uh review grid thing and uh, what did what did I underline right here multiple times? And POVs. Yes, because I think that's a new addition, right? A recent change. Uh, well, I've never had definitions before. That's that's the biggest uh, reason why I'm doing. Well, I did the... not know that was part of this subcategory, but now I do. Yeah, and it was something I had not. I mean, her was one of the, I guess, over a decent number of reviews after, but that was one where I was like, oh, I really need to consider this. Um, so I've been trying to, because I really just think of it as as the angles, but it's it's a lot more than that. So that's something I'm going to be trying to focus on for myself in season two is paying more attention to point of view and things like that. Um, so anyway, so what I have written here for the definition of camera angles is do the camera angles and POVs uh, <laughs> used throughout look interesting and or visually appealing? So with all of that, that was a lengthy introduction. I didn't mean for it to go on so long uh but what example did you give for camera angles uh so i have an example but it may count as an example i already gave so i have a backup example that it's for the same description for the same reason okay let's hear my first example is the office okay but i also chose that for acting with michael scott yeah so my backup is arrested development Okay. And it's really the the sort of handheld documentary style. Yeah. Um, and I think The Office does it a little bit, maybe pushes that a little bit f- more because it seems like there's a lot of scenes where you're like looking through yeah. the, uh, the, the break room window, sort yeah. of spying on people's private conversations. Um, and I, I forgot what I was watching, some something on YouTube where they were reviewing the style and they were saying that like one of the benefits is that it, it feels more like you're there, like you're spying on people. Yeah. Uh, you can get away with being really a little over the top with how people oh, are yeah. acting. Oh, yeah. Whereas if it's like a perfectly symmetrical, perfect mise-en-scene, uh, you know, everything is perfect and everything is symbolic and then then it's... I, I don't know. It just seems to, to the things that people say and do hit you differently. I don't know how to word it in, in fancy, fancy uh, cinematography talk. Oh, I think you did a fine job. That made perfect sense. And, and I agree completely. Uh, my thing, I had a, a weirdly hard time, not necessarily a hard time coming up with examples, 
but a hard time coming up with examples that I have not used before. <laughs> I kind of forgot. I've kind of just been like, whatever comes to mind. I'm like, okay, if that's what I think of as a good example, I'm using it now. For the most part, there are a few movies I'm still saving. Um, but for the most part, I'm like, oh, yeah. if it fits here, I'm going to use it here. And then I just can't use it later. And oh, well, and I'm kind of, as we're uh, hitting the halfway <laughs> point, I'm kind of regretting that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Cause there were a lot of, a lot of movies that I've already talked about in some of these other mini episodes that would have made a, a really good example for this. But actually <laughs> I'm an idiot. As I'm talking about this, I've already used the example I wrote down. I am remembering now in uh, plot and genre. Uh, hmm. Whew, shoot. All right, I'm just going to say what I wrote, and I, I'm sure I'll think of something, hopefully, as we're talking. If I think of something better, I'll, I'll circle around. Yeah. I put Fargo, which, oh. I, which I, am, I am remembering now I used for uh, genre cliches, tropes, and twists. Okay. Uh, which wasn't, that probably wasn't even the best example for that. I should have picked something else. Um, or maybe I used it for, I don't know, I used it for something in plot and genre. But Fargo, I do think that movie does a really good job, um, especially with more of the like POVs and as far as like, you know, extreme close ups contrasted with like overhead aerial shots and these like like vast snowstorm yeah, yeah. wilderness compared to like the claustrophobic shots yeah. of uh, Jerry, I think is his name, the main character. William H. Macy's character, I can't... Jerry Lundegaard. fumbles everything. Yeah, like, he, most of his shots are, like, really close up. But then you also have these shots, it's like, there's one shot where he's just walking through a parking lot, and it's, like, this vast, empty right. parking lot, and he's, like, extreme uh, aerial shot, like, very far away. It's just a shadow figure, all of my pretty much, terms. yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just think that the, the, the camera angles and the... Um, not necessarily point of view. I don't know if that's quite the right word for it, but just the the variety of shots within that movie uh, really give it a unique feel and uh, also contributes really well to the storytelling. That's one that I think would, would score highly in both of those, and I think yeah. did score highly in both of those when I reviewed this movie in season one. Um, so even though I'm breaking my own rule by using the same movie in two things accidentally, uh, I think that's a solid pick. And I think it's a better pick here than for writing, even though it's a very, very solid script. And uh, I love the writing also. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Especially the, uh, the contrast between the wide open views where it's very, uh, it almost exaggerates the isolation Absolutely. of the characters. Mm -hmm. And then contrast that with the extreme close-ups where it's like claustrophobic and like uncomfortable exactly. like you feel how tense and uncomfortable the situation is Ooh, sorry as you were saying that i'm like oh i know a better one that i should use but finish what you're saying and then i'll no that was it okay as you were saying that i'm like duh this is this i think i was thinking this movie would be a better example for composition but then i thought of a better example so i didn't use it but i think it works just as well for camera angles um the graduate it does everything. Okay. Uh, everything yeah, you were yeah. just saying about Fargo also applies to The Graduate, which is what made me think of it. Um, and a lot of it does come with, the, I mean, there's like the classic leg shot, you know, looking through Mrs. Right. Robinson's leg. That's all composition. But as far as the camera angles, it does a lot of those same things and plays with a lot of those same themes, actually, as Fargo, as far as like isolationism. And um, I mean, that deals more with like generational gaps and things like that. But um like just the uh like there's a shot where where he's underwater in like a scuba suit yeah. and like the the camera angles there are really great and it's contrast with he has like an, an aquarium 
in his in his bedroom that has like that same thing. Like there's a lot of like um just things that are done with camera work to tell this to get this this image across of this isolated kid that doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and here is this, you know, relationship that abounds and, you know, all that classic stuff. Um I could go on a whole other tangent for a really long time about that movie, but um, I think that's a pretty... I think composition is a better example if I was going to use that movie as an example, but I prefer the example I already wrote down, so I'm not (laughs) going to change it. Um, But I'll I'll, I'll pretend like that was my answer instead of Fargo since I've already used Fargo. But it's really oddly for for a lot of the same reasons, even though those are very, very different movies. Those are both good examples. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, more similar movies than I thought now that I'm thinking about it. So maybe uh, that's something you should add to the camera angles. It's... uh... Angle, point of view, and uh, I don't know, close-ups versus... I know, there's a word for that, and I am blanking on it. It's not depth of focus. I mean, those are like the shot lengths, but I feel like there's a one word. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just shot lengths. Maybe that's just Not to be confused with, like, length of shots as far as, like, oh, that shot went on for ten minutes, how impressive. Oh, like the the distance from the camera to the target? Yeah. Or the subject? Uh... Yeah, like wide angle versus close angle. Yeah. Maybe that's more composition. I mean, it's like close I up. Uh, I would argue. I mean, it's both. It's, it's more both. point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's your grid. You got to figure that out. I know. I try to keep things as concise as possible. And with that one, it's kind of a catch all as far as it's basically maybe camera positioning. Maybe that's what I'll rephrase it to. In fact, I will. That makes sense. It's I'm the relationship between the camera and, and what the, it's looking and at. The subject. That I'm gonna totally I'm gonna change sense. it to history in the making, folks. Um, camera angles is now gonna be camera positioning. Hopefully, I remember that and remember to change it on the grids. Although oh there's a, there's a couple. Maybe it's just uh, there's a couple that are already recorded, but yeah. Oh well. All right. Uh, should we move on to the next subcategory then? Yeah. All right, so the next subcategory is camera movements, which is pretty similar to uh, what is now being called camera positioning. And that is, does the camera movement, or lack thereof, look interesting and or visually appealing? And I did add the or lack thereof because I do think there's definitely examples where, where the very static or still camera really contributes a lot to to either the story being told or the, the themes or messages of the movie. Like, not every movie needs the camera to be moving constantly. Not every movie's Cloverfield, you know? Or, <laughs> or you know, Joss Whedon with his wonners, you know? Right. Like, it's... A still camera is not a bad thing and can be used to great effect. So I wanted to specify that camera movement can also be staying still. So anyway, with that yeah. said, uh, what was your example for something that would get a good score with camera movement? So uh, there was a handful of movies who are all from the same director, which have very interesting camera movement and very interesting lack of camera movement that is also visually appealing. Uh, And that's like the handful of movies from Wes Anderson. And specifically, I went with The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou because there's a lot of like classic Wes Anderson, like close ups on symmetrical like someone fiddling with something on their desk or or whatever uh and like very static framing of people talking to each other yeah uh, a lot of long scenes uh that are very static uh camera wise camera movement wise but there's also especially in this movie a lot of camera movement because they have the submarine and they have like a like a cutout of it like it's like 
the left half of a submarine. Yeah. And there's several scenes where they're running from room to room and they like slide down a pole and bust through a door and run down some stairs and run around a spiral staircase and run through another room. And like there's all this stuff going on and the, the camera movement is uh, kind of energizing and very interesting and visually appealing. And it just it just has all the things that uh, you include in your definition of camera movement. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. All right, solid choice. Um, so my pick, this is a little bit, after my uh, Fargo fumble, I feel bad doing this because this is kind of cheating because I did <laughs> give this movie as an example. Is it Fargo again? <laughs> no, it's not Fargo Also again. Fargo. No, but it is a movie. I use it as an example, but it was an example... It was a bad example. And so okay. now I'm using it as a good example. So I feel like that, even though it's still kind of cheating, I feel like it's okay. Well, the important thing is that we're setting precedent that this is an okay <laughs> thing to do. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I picked Birdman, which I definitely okay. picked yep, as, yep. A, as a negative example for the writing character's episode because i really did not care for the script particularly the characters i hated it i was miserable watching the movie but the you can't deny it. the camera movement yeah is phenomenal and it's de i mean i'm a sucker for a wanner like that's one of the biggest reasons why i like joss whedon's stuff i mean i like the themes he writes about with the whole found family thing I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for those kind of stories and and i just think he's a good storyteller but then when he directs and he does all the like wonders and stuff, I'm like, yeah. it's just so beautiful. Like, there's no cuts. I love it. Like, I'm just, I feel like every film nerd has at least, uh, usually there's several things, but there's at least one thing that's like reigns supreme is like, oh yeah, if that's, if that's in it, I love it. Yeah. For me, I have several, but a good wonder when done right, they can be done wrong, but not often. It's, it, it's pretty yeah. hard to do a wonder wrong. So anyway, Birdman. Phenomenal example That's, of camera movement. Yeah. Even if I didn't like the movie that much. It, pretty much every cinematography category, and probably both lighting and camera work, would score very high. Because it's just a beautiful movie to look at. And a, a technical achievement. Oh, yeah. For definitely. sure. So, yeah. So, I picked Birdman. I don't, I don't feel like there's that much more I really need to say about it. I probably didn't need to say as much as I already have. I could have just said Birdman. Duh. Yeah. Um, it's It's... That's a perfect example. It's almost, I don't want to say like, a, like, like that's the movie's shtick or gimmick. It is, though. All right. Well, you're <laughs> you, the one with the degree, gonna... <laughs> so I didn't say no, You it. might not want to say it, but I want to say it. <laughs> I mean, the movie has other things going on, but that is very definitely front and center. Hey, look yeah. what we can do. Yeah. And they do it extremely well. They so do that it extremely a, well. That yeah. is a good choice. Uh, that's a good choice. I agree with you. Thank you. All right. So then that's going to bring us to the next subcategory, which is going to be composition. Formerly, I should say uh, off the top, I did used to call this category mise-en-scene. <laughs> because it's your favorite phrase. I mean, it just seemed like anybody, any, like all film nerds always talk about mise-en-scene. Like it's just the, the thing you talk about. So it's like, well, I have to have it on the grid somewhere. And it seemed to make the most sense to place it in camera work. And essentially use it interchangeably with composition, because I feel like that's more often than not how it's used. But that's really not even, like, mise-en-scene is everything you see on screen. It's not just the composition, it's the actors themselves, it's the movement, it's the, like, it's every single, like, if you take a photograph yeah. 
like, I mean, each still frame, if you just take each still frame and look at it, that's the mise-en-scene. So, like, that really didn't, as much as I hate the term, that's not necessarily why I took it out. It just, it just wasn't quite, Yeah. I don't know, I was using it interchangeably with composition, and that's not really what it is. So I decided, even though film snobs love to talk about mise-en-scene, and it feels like it should be in the grid somewhere... It's it's really too too big of a term to fit within the grid. That totally makes sense. I mean, I guess I could have that as its own category, but even then, like it would be everything other than sound, exactly, like, and writing. Like. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I, yeah, kind of writing. Obviously, you're writing the descriptions, but um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like three fourths of the grid is is mise en scène. So that was a long winded explanation, but that's why I changed it to composition because that's really what I mean within the context of the grid when I was talking about mise-en-scene anyway, it was really primarily composition. So anyway, definition. Uh, does the framing of the shots look interesting and or visually appealing? So what movie did you pick that would get a strong score for composition? Uh, this is a really tough one. I had two. I couldn't choose between the two, but there's one I definitely want to save for later. One I want to save for later for two different categories, actually. Well, at least two categories. Anyways... The other one was Superman versus Batman. That's fair. For obvious reasons. Because uh, the framing of the shots is such an important part of that movie. Yeah. Like, so much of that movie is devoted to that. Yeah. Even for like completely random scenes, there's a scene where Superman opens, like pushes open that little gate in the courtroom <sighs> between the, 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 the court... Uh, audience and yeah. uh you know when he approaches the bench or whatever they like zoomed in on that and it was like perfectly framed and like that was a big deal it's like the camera is like oh holy shit look at this he's opening that tiny door i mean i do think not to get into a completely different discussion i do think there was a purpose to that i think it was showing like oh look even though he's superman and easily could either like fly over or like you use any number of his powers to like completely ignore these man-made barriers he's going to respect them anyway i think that was the point but it was way overdone i agree didn't mean to rain on your parade i'm sorry i couldn't help no. myself whatever i'm done everything i see no, i'm kidding <laughs> um yeah maybe that is why they did it uh it seems kind of interesting to use composition to say that and to say it so freaking loudly. Yeah, I will agree with that. Um, but that movie, so much of it was that. Yeah. Uh, like, too much. But it was pretty good, composition-wise. I'll give it I that. Would, I would argue, I don't think it was done too much, but I think it was used in place of narrative too much. You can get away with a lot of composition. Yep, that's, that's a like better way that. of wording it. But you gotta have the script to back it up, in my opinion. I there are a lot of a lot of people out there who can ignore a bad script, which is perfectly fine. That's the whole point of the grid: is that there should be equal weight to all of these. And you know, if you prefer one category of the other, that's what extra credits for. Like that's you know, I try yeah, to yeah. to weight things equally so that my biases don't show. So that's not meant to be a dig to anybody, but for me personally. I value a strong script, and if a movie doesn't have it, it's kind of unforgivable. Like my my overall enjoyment's going to go way down. My like everything's going to go way down. Um, well, I don't know if I would cons personally would consider that an unforgivable sin, but I do agree with how you phrased it that they relied on composition uh, to fill in the gaps of poor narrative. Yeah. 
I, I'll, I'll agree with that. That that's a good assessment. But thank you. The composition is solid. Pretty good. I mean, Zack Snyder's got an eye. Like I, I think he's extremely talented. I just don't know why they keep letting him get behind a computer to type. Like the, the <laughs> <laughs> like he needs to be director only and let someone else take the helm for writing. Like if Joss Whedon wrote a script and Zack Snyder directed it, I think we'd have oh, a man. brilliant. Like my God, that would be. Yeah, we would, that would be unstoppable. It's over. That would be. We're done. Civilization is done. The best it can do. <laughs> Let's I all mean, just shut it down. Let's all go home. I think it would be certainly on par with Marvel movies. I think that's oh, that would yeah. be the perfect combination. But yeah, whatever. It is what it is. That would be an interesting collaboration. I mean, we kind of had that with Justice League, but it was oh. such a such a battle over who was going to be director, and then Joss Whedon was just like, "I guess I'm writing this thing now," and. It just became a clash of voices more that than a collaboration. Bad management, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily bad management. It was, I mean, there was a tragedy and Zack Snyder had to step away. So, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, but it was poorly managed. Well, sure, yeah. They should not have given Joss Whedon as much authority as they did. But yeah. what's done is done. I still like that movie way more than most people. I think it's easily second best in the DCEU next to Wonder Woman. But still neither touch it. Touch, touch a flame touch it why why am i what is the phrase i'm looking for hold a torch <laughs> i can't touch a flame <laughs> what is wrong with me i have like aphasia or something i can't you are not working well <laughs> tonight oh boy that was really bad uh they you need don't... to word gooder than that if you're on a podcast <laughs> well on that note i guess i'll give my answer because <laughs> yeah that's right we're answering questions <laughs> so my response for uh composition i had a very similar uh train of thought as you for camera movement where i was like well wes anderson it's got to be wes anderson right and really i i almost just put wes anderson it doesn't even matter what movie we're talking about yeah. uh i am a sucker for symmetry first of all like talking oh, about yeah. I was like, like, oh yeah, if there's oneers like that, I'm, I'm, I'm in. But I think symmetry is even one step above that as far as like the the film okay. conventions that I am a sucker for. It's like uh, symmetry. Oh my god, I'm seriously forgetting words I just said two seconds ago. It goes symmetry and then oneers and like Natalie Portman. Those three <laughs> things. Like, just give me a movie with symmetry and oneers that stars Natalie Portman. Although honestly, that was Jackie. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah, that was yeah. Jackie. That's why I like Jackie so yeah, much. Yeah, definitely. It has those three things. 100%. Oh my you god. You just I now just... realized that? I realized that after like the fifth time you watched that movie. <laughs> I mean, I knew it had like symmetry. I guess I did know that. I just didn't put it into the quite those phrases. Like I didn't I didn't think of it in those terms before. I just blew my own mind. Um, yeah. Those are the three main things I look for in a movie, apparently. <laughs> um so yeah, so so pretty much any Wes Anderson movie steering back on on point, uh, but I, I figure I should pick one. So I picked the Royal Tenenbaums mostly because that's the one I am most familiar with. Yeah, I love all of his movies. Has a lot of that too. Yeah, uh, I almost went with Moonrise Kingdom, but I've only seen that movie once, and I feel like yeah. I would need to see it a few more times before I can. Although also uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is amazing too. There, yeah. I mean, all of his movies. Now I'm just listing Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> um, they're all amazing. Uh, Royal, Ten Royal Tenenbaums was the first I had seen, and I think that kind of gives it 
uh, preferential treatment in my if I if I were to rank his movies, it would get maybe higher than than it ranks on a lot of other people's lists because I have that like sentimental attachment of like, oh, this was my introduction to sure to yeah, him yeah. and to this type of filmmaking, and it was like, you know, an introduction to, to more indie type of films and quirkiness and like you know I've just never seen a movie like that before, so it definitely gets uh, preferential treatment for me. So that's the one that I put, but really, any Wes Anderson movie. I just love his his visual eye. Yeah. His visual eye, that was... Yeah, fuck his auditory <laughs> eyes. And his olfactory eyes, they're the, the worst. Seriously, what is happening with my words today? Like, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know, but I, I like Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with all of that said, is there anything you want to add for any of those four subcategories before we jump into overall camera work, which is defined by how well do the below categories work together? Uh, well, I think we all agree on everything that both of us said, and there's a yeah. lot of commonalities and similarities, and you know, you chose this for category A, I chose it for category B. Yeah. I'm interested in uh, what we have to say for the next categories and questions all right uh on that note what did you pick for overall camera work then for overall camera work a movie that does all of these categories very well maybe not throughout the whole movie but here and there really like peaks for each one of these i chose avengers the first avengers movie so did i ah <laughs> i chose it first though uh, I think it has so many interesting things. It has uh, Joss Whedon and his oneers, obviously. Yep. Oh yeah. Some amazing combat oneers. Yeah. Like so much cool so, stuff is yeah. going on. Mm -hmm. Better than any other combat scene or oneer in any of the movies uh, in the MCU. Um, also, fight scenes, which apparently I wrote down as a separate note. Um, <laughs> It also has a lot of like moving, the camera moves around mm -hmm. people as they're talking and arguing and it yeah, orbits in like a really, scene. well, I put that down as a separate note. Okay. I, spoiler I meant, alert. Sorry. I meant orbit around them. Well, yeah, it's still the same scene though with the scepter. Well, yeah, th yeah, that's true. That scene is a good example of that. Oh, is there other scenes that do that? Um, I, I feel like there's a few where people are arguing about something and like, now I'm the protagonist, and I'm arguing my point, so the camera's going to argue around me. And then the other person's like, well, now I'm the protagonist, and the camera's going to orbit around me. Because those are two different, totally different voices, <laughs> as everyone can tell. Uh, and then there's that obvious scene that I really like, that I think you like much, much less. I think you said it was, like, way over the top or whatever. The Loki scepter. <laughs> Where the camera, like, it's like, it's beyond human experience. Like, it's not orbiting around people like a person would if they're, like, walking around in the room. It's, like, orbiting around, like, a different axis. It, like, pans up towards the ceiling and around the other side. And, like, by the end of the scene, it's, like, upside down or some yeah. almost upside down, pretty no, much upside down. upside down. Yeah. Like, it's so weird and out of nowhere because there's... I don't think there's much, I don't think there's many other scenes like that. Maybe during some fight scenes, but this was like, like very stationary in a room. And it just does this really, really weird thing. But it's like so perfectly timed and it's so 
relevant and it tells the story of Loki Scepter and it's man that movie just the camera movement is and, and the angles and point of view and everything is just so over the top and it's like 10 10 out of 10 for everything I, I agree with that that like I said that was my pick too I don't really think I can add anything and and if I can it can be found in our review of it because we That's definitely right. uh, of course with our Marvel Monday series that uh, wrapped up phase one so we we definitely talked about it there but yeah I mean I just and I, I still hold that that no movie since has done a better job of integrating these characters through maybe maybe not integrating but the like like showing oh here are these here's all these characters we know them from single movies now they're going to be in one movie fighting together and like the camera becomes a part of that of like yeah yeah you know like especially in the fight scene in the last act where it's like there's that famous scene where it the camera rotates around them and they're like you know cocking their guns and right everyone's like back to back yeah like that Uh, like it's just a (laughs) symbol exactly literally yeah for sure and and it's and i don't feel like any movie since has felt that epic even though like by infinity war like holy crap there's so many heroes and it and it is so epic and it's a great movie i'm not downplaying it by any means but as far as like the camera playing a part in that epicness i don't think that has happened to, to the same degree since in my opinion I could be wrong, maybe as we go through phase three, because it's been a lot of those movies I've only seen once. I've seen every Marvel movie, but many of them only once. Yeah, so. I, I kind of agree. I think this one, this one really said, like, here's here's the potential. Mm-hmm. Here's how awesome it can be. A lot of that's the camera work. Absolutely. And, and I don't think I just, it, it was Now I just want to watch good. Avengers. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's been that good since... <laughs> There's some close ones, close close scenes here and there. Yeah. I think a lot of it was some of the later ones, at least when we're talking specifically like like Civil War or Ultron, right. um, you know, the more ensemble ones with a lot of characters is that there's so many characters. Now, there were only six in, uh, in <laughs> there's Avengers. There's only six. I mean, relatively speaking. I know. Uh, after 20 movies, there's right. only six. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, there were it. only six, in, and two of them were, were more secondary. I mean, you had uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow that certainly played. Well, Black Widow, I heard, had, had the most airtime in that movie, so maybe that's a bad example. But two people that didn't have a solo movie before that, I guess, so they seemed secondary. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Infinity War, it wasn't Ultron, it wasn't Civil War. It's, and I think because it was a little smaller scale... You can get a little more creative with the camera work, whereas the bigger the cast, the more it's like, okay, we got to make sure we show everybody. So it's probably going to be a lot of over-the-shoulder shot, reverse shot, just to get everybody in the same scene. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is my theory. Again, rewatching a lot of those movies, maybe I'll have a different take. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. But... Now I'm just filling time because I feel like I didn't say anything about my pick since we picked the same thing. But yeah. but you said everything I was going to say. It's it's solid. It's a, it's a good movie. And and particularly with the camera work. Um, yep. Easily the best in the MCU so far, I think. What movie uh, would get a bad score for you? I had a really hard time coming up with something for this one. How about you? I knew instantly what I wanted to say. And I'm glad you established precedent that if we say something positive about a movie or a TV show, then it's okay to say something negative about a movie or a TV show. 
Although I think you said I mean, the negative I, thing first. And yeah, I was going to say, I, technically I set the precedent for the opposite, but I'll allow it. You, you set precedent for, it can be both. Yeah. A negative and a positive. I think so, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I chose the most negative episode of one of my favorite shows, The X-Files. It was season 10 or 11. I think it was season 11. I the think it was... season premiere. My yes, Struggle Yes, My part. Struggle Part 3. Yeah. Oh, man. That cinematography was so terrible. It was painful. That was painful. It was... Del- it was it was not accidentally bad. It was just like no. we talked about the lighting and it was it was Chris Carter being off. Like was what happened so to him? Fucking over the top. It was terrible. Like there were scenes where someone was just like telling a simple, straightforward story, and the camera would like slowly zoom in and then jump zoom in and then like quickly zoom out and then jump zoom in and then and and it was yeah. like the camera did not st- sit still for more than three seconds throughout that entire episode. Literally. Yeah. And uh, not in a good way. Like, that can be done well. It was not in this instance. No, it was completely unnecessary. I it almost, was completely like, distracting. I was dreading watching the rest of season 11 after yes. that. Because I was yes. like, if they're all that bad. Because season 10 wasn't great, but it was watchable. And that yeah. episode was not watchable. No. I have it, never been so miserable watching an episode of X-Files or watching an episode of anything, probably. No, I, I absolutely agree with it that. Was that was so one of the worst episodes of anything I've mm-hmm. ever seen in my entire life. And 90, at least 90% of it was cinematography, camera work. And it was, it just, it just pissed me off. Mm-hmm. I, I think the only time there was like a steady cam was like in a driveway or along the side of the road when a car was driving into the oh, yeah, camera when, and had to stop. When Mulder s- all of a sudden thought he was in the Fast and the Furious and we got so many car commercial shots. Yeah, the stupid fucking horsey cars. <laughs> Mustangs for anybody listening that can't piece it together. I don't even want to know what it is. All I know is I hate those stupid fucking horsey cars. <laughs> I don't think that's what they were going for with that no. episode, but I fucking hate those stupid little horsey cars. And that is the worst episode of the X-Files. Worse than yeah. the cat episode. The cat episode? Yeah, it's like an ancient Mesoamerican cats and they attack oh, Scully. And I think I know the one it's, you're talking about. It's pretty bad, but there's none of those stupid fucking horsey cars. And the camera work is probably at least decent. Well, it ain't that bad. <laughs> but it just... Like, X-Files is not, like, quick cuts and fast this and fast that. And no. It just, it was, it was terrible for the story it was telling. It was terrible as an X-Files episode because it was not X-Files. No. It was just terrible cinematography camera work in every way possible. Yeah. It, it ruined the story. It was terrible angles and point of view. The movement was horrible. The composition was lackluster at best just on on the grid uh, it would be at best ones for every subcategory at best possibly zeros it would be unsatisfactory for I, sure. I mean i i take that back it would not be a zero because at least the camera focused on the people in the scene <laughs> like if it was an out of focus cam uh, an out of focus shot of like the ceiling or something like the cameraman passed out and they just kept recording that would have been, well, I can't even say that would have been worse because it would have at least been a steady thing. I take it back. Maybe it is zeros. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, so Jesus. anyway, 
my pick. I had a hard time with this one because this is a movie that got a lot of hate and I actually didn't mind the movie. I thought it was mostly a a pretty good movie. I say that having never read the book, I feel like I need to like classify this so much because <laughs> it really got a lot of hate. And that's a wrinkle in time. I know you didn't see this one. Okay. I saw it um, and I reviewed it for In Session Film. If anybody wants to, to hunt that down, hunt that down like it's hard. It's, it's not difficult to find. Um, but I wrote a review and I mean, I liked the movie overall. I liked the script. I liked the acting. I thought it was it was pretty solid overall. But the camera work, I could not stand. It was so much um, just extreme close ups on people's faces throughout so much of the movie. Yeah. And I'm, it's a fantasy movie. You want to see the fantasy worlds. You want these long epic shots. You want like more of the world. Like it just, I understand why Ava DuVernay filmed it the way she did. Like she wanted it to be a, you know, an emotional journey about this young girl, you know, going on this journey to reunite with her father. Like it's a very, you know, emotional, personal story as opposed to like a more, you know, it's not Lord of the Rings, you know, it's a, it's a more emotional story. <laughs> yeah. So I get why she did yeah. that. Like she wanted the audience to identify with this young girl and, and feel her struggle and, you know, she has to go through a lot in the movie and overcome a lot. And like, you know, I get why she made the choices she did. I just didn't think it was the right choices personally. Um, and I think maybe it would have had a, a better reception if she had focused a little bit more on the fantasy world and, and trusted the script and trusted the actors to get that emotional journey across hmm. instead of just suffocating the audience in close ups to be like, look at this emotion, look at what they're feeling. And it's like, we can... You don't need an extreme close-up of someone's face to understand what they're going through. You can, yeah. You can see. You went to Iceland to film. You can see some of the beautiful landscapes <laughs> and see that someone's sad. Like compromise a little. Wait, they went to Iceland to film. <laughs> what was it Oprah Winfrey? Oprah's face. They went to Iceland to film Oprah's face. I mean that that wouldn't be that crazy. No, it was mostly the the young girl. I forget the actor's name who who played the girl. It was mostly her because it's, I mean, she's the protagonist. It's her story. It's her emotional struggles that okay. drive the plot. It was mostly, as far as I can recall, extreme close-ups on her face. And and she's a great actor. Like, they pulled, like, she, she was able to get the emotions across. But at the same time, I'm like, she's a great actor. She's able to get these emotions across. You don't need to shoot in extreme close-ups right. for us to see yeah, that she's yeah. sad. We can tell because she's a good actor, there's a great ensemble, and there's also this beautiful backdrop of Iceland, and, and you're pulling it off as, like, this fantasy world. Let's yeah. see more of it. It just, it really rubbed me the wrong way, and it really, um... Yeah. It was, it was kind of unfortunate, because, I, I mean, I think she's a great director, and I, and I understand why she made the choices she did, and with a different type of story, it would have been fantastic. Um, but with the story being told and with the actors that she hires to tell the story that were talented and, and could do more, um, it just it wasn't necessary to have so many close ups. So that was my biggest gripe with that movie, even though I liked it way more than most people. And um, particularly it's one of those movies where it's like, man, if this came out when I was like between the ages of like 10 and 13, I would have loved it. Like it's it's a really good movie for kids of that age, which is a really hard age to to pitch to because you've got movies for young kids that are PG. Sure. And then you've got PG-13 that's all action superhero movies and stuff. Like there's not, it's a really weird area where it's PG, but it's not for little kids. And I think it's just really hard to make a movie in that range, unfortunately. 
Um, anyway, this is going on a completely different rant, but... No, I've ranted. <laughs> I, I, don't, I had a good solid rant for my bad example, so you can you can rant away. Yeah. Um, but, uh, go ahead. You can rant away. However... <laughs> No, well, let me ahead. just say something. I was just going to move on to the next things. So if you've got more to say, uh, yeah. Um, no, you mentioned the close-ups, and and I know we both mentioned that in a positive way. But I was just thinking that that could also be like a negative thing, like a crutch, almost like a laugh track, right? Like in yeah. a shitty comedy, someone says some something, and then there's a laugh track, and like, oh, okay, that was a joke. I get right. jokes. As Homer Simpson once said, I get jokes and you start laughing because it's a laugh track and you hear the laughter. And it can, it can also be the same thing. Like, oh, it's a close up. This is a personal emotional scene and emotional reaction. I get that. I get close ups. Yeah. Rather than just it, it being what it is. Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, I never quite caught that. That's a good point. You can rely on, uh, just like uh, Zack Snyder can rely on composition to tell a story, you can rely on close-ups. Absolutely, yeah. Or laugh tracks, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's good. Why, thank you. I feel so flattered. You always compliment me so much in these. You know what you're talking about. (laughs) All right, so on that note, this is going to be a little bit of a longer mini episode, but that's okay. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, so now that we've talked about all of the subcategories, given our positive examples, given a negative example, um, I do have a, a question of the week. Normally, I've been um, reaching out to Twitter and, and getting some answers from fans, and I dropped the ball, and uh, you, we've been oh, recording yeah. back-to-back, and I just kind of didn't. So I'm going to ask this for us. If anybody out there listening wants to contribute and have your responses read, be sure to to reach out on social media. We're on Uh, We've got a a Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram. You can DM me, you can, you know, send a tweet, however you want to reach out. There's email Um, on social media. We're at Gritty Films, G-R-I-D-D-Y Films, or you can email us at uh, grittyfilms at gmail.com. So any of those options, reach out, give us your answers. I'll read them next week since I dropped the ball and didn't reach out on Twitter. All of that said, the, the question for this episode is, what is the most interesting camera work you have ever seen? Left that open for interpretation. Doesn't have to be good, interesting, bad, yeah, interesting, yeah. just most interesting camera work. Go. Um, there's uh, basically the Wes Anderson catalog. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And the first Thor movie. Okay. Uh, and that's just because of the Dutch angles. And these angles were so Dutch, I, I consider them Asgardian angles. Yeah. Like, there was a scene where it was just, like, normal people walking out of, like, a cafe or something. Like, no Asgardians. And, and the camera angle was, like, the camera was, like, I don't know, 50 feet off the ground and, like, well over 90 degrees tilted. And everything was, like, so over the top. And... Yeah, it was just, it was bonkers. It was over the top. And yeah. and I, I think he told me that it, the, the, the goal was to be like the comic book or the comic yeah. books. Like the comics are very like stylized and at very least, unnatural. At least to Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. <laughs> that was the intent. At yeah. Least. Uh, it was, it was unlike anything else. Like, like yeah. I said, 
And I love I love a Dutch angle. Oh yeah. And it was a little much for me. Yeah, like I've said, there's there's Dutch angles and there's Asgardian angles. This was Asgardian angles. Yeah. And one of these days, that's going to be in a film book. Asgardian angles. Because I'm going to write two Dutch for Dutch angles. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know? I just. I just uh, read this yesterday, actually. The the phrase Dutch angles actually comes from Dutch angles. Is it, is it some guy's last name? No, it's it translates to German angles. It's from German <laughs> expressionism. So it's not Dutch. It's actually German. Yeah. But it was written as Dutch, I think is how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah. Like, Deutschland. Oh, yeah. Deutsch. I guess that makes sense. Deutsch angles. So it's actually German angles from, from German expressionism. My favorite thing I like to pull out and, and be yeah. a film snob about. There you go. So my answer, I hesitate a little bit because I do fully intend to use this movie in another category a little bit later. But yeah, this isn't technically giving an answer for a subcategory. So I, <laughs> I, I think that's okay. Man, we're setting so much precedent with this episode. I know. Um, but my, I do think this is truly uh, some of the most interesting camera work I've ever seen in a movie. And that's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. I, I just love so much of that movie. Like, there's so many practical effects and just, just yeah. different... Um, just different ways to tell a story and different... I mean, it's very dreamlike, but it's based in, like, Absolutely. memories and just the... The way it tells the story is so unique. And I also hold a soft spot for that movie because I definitely consider it probably the first movie I ever saw that really broke conventions and and told a movie in a little different way. Like, it definitely, you know, it's not shot reverse shot. It's not a typical movie. Like, it's very surreal but very emotional and and uses the camera to, to get that across. And it was definitely very formative in my younger years as far as as movies that changed the way i see other movies you know it, it really yeah yeah um i don't want really to get too much more because like i said i am saving this for another category so it's going to come up again and it is a movie that's going to be reviewed in season two so i don't want to get into too much more detail no i, I like but. that it's like my honorable mention from the previous episode i like that it's good you can you mention something without uh forbidding yourself from mentioning it later <laughs> on especially when i say ahead of time i'm definitely using this again yeah. for something else <laughs> precedent was set when yeah. i did that so i suppose uh all right so then i guess that about wraps everything up i say like this was a short episode <laughs> <laughs> um was there anything you want to add uh about cinematography camera work or anything else we've talked about this episode uh i do like that we uh not really redefined, but more fleshed out the definition of camera angles. To be more about yeah. positioning and the maybe the relationship between the camera and the subject. That's cool. And yeah. uh, setting precedent. That's, <laughs> yep. that's the phrase of the day. So much precedent. All right. On that note, I guess I will start playing us out. The song for this week is Tom Waits' I Don't Want to Grow Up. The reason being, uh, well, first of all, who wants to grow up? I don't. So, you know there's that and also i got a record player recently and one of the first records i bought was a tom waits album that that had the song on it i'm like this is uh weird but i like it so that's the song in lieu of a uh movie related song to play on that note (laughs) so 
<laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this mini nitty gritty review episode. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll be posting more mini episodes in the weeks to follow, talking about each of the categories of the grid, as well as, of course, the uh, Marvel Monday summary before we get into phase three. Uh, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss those. And then the uh, return of full-length movie review episodes starting on January 9th. Uh, we'll be doing a Marvel Monday on the first Monday of every month, and then flashback Fridays uh, every other Friday. Uh, if you liked what you heard this episode, be sure to contribute to the conversation. Like I said before, Gritty Films can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the handle at Gritty Films. You can also email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com. And don't forget, that's Gritty spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y. And uh, we'd love to hear what movies would get perfect tens for you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. I don't want-